When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. We are once again without video today, but we are with exciting cross-country news. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. How's it going, Gordon? Doing good. Uh, Excited to talk about a potential winter cross-country season um, and the feasibility of it. Will it happen? What will be the ramifications a lot, a lot to talk about, but yeah, once again, we're cross country podcasts. We're a running podcast. We are not any other sport. However, I'm starting to want to become a baseball podcast because <laughs> the Phillies have been looking good. They're now 15 and 15. Uh, Reese Hoskins has now lit it up. They got a good offense. So yeah, we might hey. become a baseball podcast by the end of September, getting ready for October. I wouldn't. I do not blame you being excited about a 500 baseball team. We did the first three set of rankings last week with the individuals and the men's teams, and we both were laughing about how we were catching ourselves saying, yeah, when NAU does this or BYU does that, assuming that the season was going to actually happen. But now these might just serve as a very, very early preview if what has been proposed um, goes through. Do you want to just – Talk about what you learned yesterday, and I'll, I'll fill in fill in some, some gaps there, and we'll talk about why it's significant. Yeah, so I learned that they are looking to hold a cross-country championship in March. March, basically the week, the day after, two days after indoors. So indoors is that Friday, Saturday, and then either the Monday or Tuesday, which will be March 15th or 16th, they're looking to hold cross-country championships I'd assume maybe they hold host it in the same location as indoors, maybe. That's probably what they're thinking. So the teams don't have to travel to different locations for coaches. So that might be reason for that. Um, and then the whole regular season would be from January 16th to March 5th. The qualification process is still up in the air. Like, will it be regional system, the coal loss calculator, all that stuff? They have to decide that. But right now they have the season window and they have the championship date. They also say that they need 50% of teams to participate, same as the fall. Unfortunately, 50% of teams did not participate in the fall, hence we're now talking about a winter championship. But then here's the big catch. There are conflicting reports, apparently, that an athlete cannot compete in both indoor and cross-country. So that is what I think is going to be a big like ramification on the legitimacy of a cross-country title in the winter and also legitimacy of an indoor title, right? You take NAU and BYU and Colorado out of indoors last year, and then all of a sudden there's a lot more – you don't need to be as great as a distance runner to score points – for a sprint program, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, like, like a lot of sprint programs rely on distance programs to, like, for instance, Florida doesn't really have any distance guys, right? But Arkansas does. So a sprint program is relying on NAU and BYU to beat Arkansas's distance runners so that Florida's sprinters are more valuable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens all over, all over, right? Houston has no distance runners, so they're hoping that all the distance runners who win are not on teams that have point potential. Um, so that's the big thing. What will happen? Like, what what will coaches prioritize? Uh, we have no idea. And if that happens, will that eventually make us not hit the fifty percent threshold for eligible teams? Will it make the field kind of weird? Like, hey, half the good teams are here, but half of them aren't, you know? Mm -hmm. Or like, hey, this team 
probably would have won if their number four man wasn't on the DMR, you know, something mm-hmm. like that, right? So that's what I think is gonna. That's what needs to be solved is this whole overlapping with indoors. Mm-hmm. And whose decision is it going to be? Is it going to be the individual athlete's decision if they're able to go back and forth, or do they have to choose one? Is it going to be an institution by institution decision, or is it going to be a top-down decision where the NCAA says, no, you have to choose one or the other in January, and that's what you're sticking with. So there is still a lot to to figure out. We talked about this before. Cross-country just makes more sense from a logistics standpoint than indoors does, given the current climate. I think everybody would agree with that, but you're absolutely right different programs depending on their strengths and weaknesses are going to be in one camp or the other on how this this double season if it is a double season actually gets unfolded at this like how they decide to roll this whole thing out yeah and it's like the one thing we also think about is like a majority of cross-country programs are not good right they're not the nau's byu's oregon's colorado's all that like that's what we talk about because that's what the fans care about the the top tier teams but there are what 300 some teams i think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we only really care about 25 of them so there's a large percentage of teams out there that no one ever knows about that they're running cross-country that they are getting 30th at the regional or even not even qualifying for the regional that will really make the decision of whether or not we're going to have a, a season, right? Will a random team from the Sun Belt Conference care more about their cross-country team, which has their best runner as a 1530 guy, or will they care more about their track program where they might have a good hurdler or a good thrower? Right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of weird to think about all the possibilities. I feel like there's a lot of different timelines, you know, kind of kind of dip into the Marvel universe of timelines of cross country <laughs> of what we could see. Uh, it's really fascinating in my mind because just the visual of covering indoor and cross country at the same time. And it's going to be weird. It's just going to be weird. I, I think from a fan's perspective, you'd like to see both. And it's not like we, you talk about this all the time. Collegiate athletes in the distance side of things, their coaches tend to take a extremely cautious approach with them. So why not cut them loose, let them figure it out, let the sprinters still have a season if that's able to work out and, and do both do, do both things. From a fan's perspective, do you, do you have a preference in how – like, what would you rather see? I'm guessing you'd rather see BYU-NAU than an indoor cha- – if you had to choose between that and an indoor championship, you'd rather see BYU-NAU and NC State versus Stanford, right? Yeah, I would 100% rather see that. But if having to, getting to see that means that I'm going to be forced to watch a watered-down indoor or a watered-down cross-country meet, I would rather have nothing. You know? Like – as much as I want to see NAU and BYU race, if Arkansas isn't in there, it would kind of ruin it for me. Yes, I know Arkansas isn't really favored to be either of those, but it just would feel not right knowing that, hey, Arkansas had like five really good guys and they're all having to do indoor. You know, it just wouldn't feel right. So what you're saying is you'd rather see 100% on one and 0% on other than both of them at half capacity. Correct. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Do you think they can do it? Can they pull it off where it's both hundreds? <laughs> like like you get you get the both best of both worlds? Or is that just not gonna happen? Well, I guess the only way you could do that is you would have to I would argue, hey, indoors this year there is no mile DMR three K or five K. Hmm. What about just adjusting the schedule and let people double? Well, yeah, that'll be ultimate. I mean, let people double would be good, but 
I mean, real thing is they need to just move cross country to to April. I don't know why they don't do that. Yeah, that gets back to the Mac plan. I was just yeah, I was thinking you push you push outdoor back a little bit, and you could have an in a hybrid winter of cross country and indoor and figure it out so that way people could do both because this is impacting at the top a very small group of people when it comes down to it yeah because you're mentioning a couple teams but in the whole grand scheme of the hundreds of teams in the ncaa most of them are not vying for a national title most of them are not oh are they going to be able to win the 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 cross country national championships and then come back you know you know next week and win the 3k and the 5k that applies to virtually nobody in the ncaa such a small small group of people so for my mind i mean there's no 10k in indoor the longest event is a 5k if you space out the two championships figure out a way to do qualification that's uh, that's truncated i mean all if if we just kind of put aside all the the which is a hard thing to do put aside some of the limitations uh, of travel and with universities and just assume that they can kind of get back to where they were maybe a little bit reduced from where they were i think from a racing load perspective you could do it from a distance runner what are they running three times in cross country how many times are they running like in indoors you get your qualifier and that's it yeah that the, that's the season <laughs> no i think they can do it racing wise um, I do also think that I don't know. Do you think this is going to happen? Like, are we are we are we tricking ourselves again? <laughs> I think it. I think it could. I think it could. Just just from the from the perspective of there are a lot of cross country based programs that make a good point, which is that indoor and outdoor has some redundancy and i know that okay last year outdoor didn't or indoor and outdoor didn't have uh, a championship right so the thinking is well you want to make sure indoor gets a championship this year but a lot of those same athletes are going to be able to race again during the outdoor during the outdoor season and if you're talking about distance runners a lot of them could run in a cross-country season and it's just as valuable to perform there well there as it is during indoors and I think, I think there's going to be a, a strong push to make it work. And like I said at the top, logi- aren't you hearing the same thing? Like logistically, cross-country makes more sense than indoors. So if, you had to choo- if they had to choose between one of the two, I think the NCAA, um, given the health situation, that might be a better fit for where we're at right now. Yeah. So are you more confident that this will happen than you were in fall cross country happening a month ago or two months ago? Yes. Yes, I am. And I don't know why, but I am. Isn't that Um, weird? It's a bit weird. Yeah. I think, listen, I think they're going to want to run a season. And I think once students are back on campus, right, we'll get data. We'll get information. Some teams will play football. It's just the same way as we're getting cues from the NBA, right? We're getting cues from the NBA. And hey, hey, hey. Oh, hold on. Sorry. We're, we're not we're an getting, NBA podcast. We're getting cues from a lot of different professional sports that have opted for the bob- bubble model. And that has let smaller leagues figure out, okay, what works, what doesn't work. Same thing's going to happen on college campuses if you believe that college students need to be on campus for there to be college sports, which right now that seems to be, depending on the institution, a, a fluid situation. But if that's the case, I think by January, they'll know a lot more about what they can do and what they can't do. Another key point, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Gordon, and this has to do with another sport, so you might want to plug your ears, but it has to do with the collegiate level of basketball, not the professional level. Of okay, okay, it's okay. Didn't they basically say, we're going to have a bubble for March Madness? They said this is basically going to happen. Right? Yeah. Well, then so. they they try to trademark battle in the bubble. <laughs> so they already are looking on trademark because I'm not sure if you know this, but like uh, March March Mad- or Road to um like Road what's to Final Four ro- like for Final Four Sweet Sixteen March Madness those are all heavily trademarked 
And if you use that as an institution, they, they will come after you. So yeah. if they're trademarking it, that means they're serious. So battle in the bubble, which means what? They would have like 20 teams in a bubble? That would be kind of cool. Or would they do a whole thing? I guess you could do the whole thing. Or maybe, yeah, you could do like four bubbles for each region, right? And then do a final bubble. Yeah. I just okay, – so that, again, also is making me more confident because, again, if they're going to go that far – for basketball, now basketball is a little bit different than football, right? They control the, the championship, whereas for FBS and football, they don't. But if they're going to go that far in March for basketball, I think they'll try to make things happen for other sports, even if it's on a smaller, you know, more truncated schedule. What, what if you just do this for cross country? What if you literally just do, and we're going back to all the debates we had before, but what if you do con- – your, your season starts with conference and then you have region and they take the top three teams of each region or four teams, however you want to do it. You don't worry about it larges at all and then you have a national championship. I think people would take that now. I think there's less quibbling over the minor details because people just want to get out and, and compete at this point. Yeah. Yeah, what are your um, thoughts about the eligibility of this all? Like – if you had to choose between indoor and out cross country is not choosing one using up eligibility. Like I wonder how it would work eligibility wise. Cause we know everyone running in the fall, it doesn't count, right? It's like mm-hmm. a, a fake year, but yeah. like, would this also be part of the fake year? Like, I think it all should be fake. And we just, this is just a great mulligan year. And there's going to be a lot of older people with eligibility. Yeah. I, are you saying does does a hybrid cross country indoor season together does that count for two seasons or one season? Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I guess if you compete at both championships, it it should. Or like, if you choose indoor, does that mean you're wasting a red shirt on your cross? Yeah. Or if you choose cross, are you wasting a red shirt on indoor? Yeah. What I would I, what I want to know is. The, these, these schools that are in between. So not schools that are primarily distance and not schools that are primarily sprints, but ones that have a, a balance. And then there's not a ton of those, at least at the upper echelons. But I, I would like to know what they, what they would want to do, like what they're thinking is the best resolution to this. Yeah, so that's like Arkansas, I guess Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not many, to be honest. But like, this is like in the in the team the team race like is always like Florida, Houston, Texas Tech, A and M, LSU, like none of those teams care about cross country. No disrespect, Steve Magnus, but you know what I mean. Cross country, cross country isn't their their primary output. But like, uh, wouldn't I, you say, for example, the Big Ten? I feel like the Big Ten has a lot of balanced programs. Not all of them. But I feel like within the Big Ten, there's – like you look at a team like like Purdue, right? Purdue did really well on the men's side of things in cross country last year. We talked about them in our top 25. They also have some really good sprinters. Yeah. Uh, a team like um, Indiana, a team like Minnesota. You know, they Iowa has a 4x4 four four that, they, that they put out every year. They also have some good – distance runners as well too wisconsin has good throwers and then also really good distance yeah yeah i mean that would be interesting to wonder how it like affects conference championships like are we assuming that like there's gonna be a there'll be like a big sky cross country championship and a big sky indoor championship Mm -hmm. and then mike smith will have to decide which one he wants to win yeah like will, will mike smith be like all right I'll win the Big Sky Indoor with all my A guys and then have my B cross-country team win me a cross-country title. Yeah. But then if you try, if you choose that, that means that B cross-country team has to try to win nationals and that won't happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those weird things. Like NAU could be in a weird spot where he could figure out a way to put together an indoor and, and cross-country team that could do well in both, right? Like he could, because he has what? You could argue he has eight guys, maybe. 
And if you only need four of them to win a national title, potentially, like, hey, maybe our fifth man doesn't need to be as good this year because the field is watered down. You know, maybe he puts in cross country, he goes with Brody, Abdi, Nico Young, and Theo. No, 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 he keeps Theo out. Brody, Abdi. He's getting back to NAU. Yeah, good. Brody, Abdi, Nico Young, and uh, Abdi Hamd, excuse me. And Blaze, uh, right? And then for indoors, he's Theo Quacks, who's a good miler. Luis Grijalva, who will be a good 3K, 5K guy. Um, Ryan Raff, who can make it in the 5K. And then like another freshman or whatever. So you kind of like spread it equal. You could argue that a team of Abdi Hamid, Drew Bosley, Nico Young, and Blaze Farrow could win nationals. Like that team could win a truncated nationals. Yeah, 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 of course. What's the – here's a philosophical question for you. What's the purpose of a cross-country regular season in the NCAA? There is no purpose. Okay. I was going to say – It's as important say, as the first half of a baseball season, which just completed, it, and the Phillies are 15 and 15. This year it's pretty important in baseball because there's yeah. 10 games. I was going to say it's just basically sharpening, getting yourself ready – for two big meets. So, again, I know I'm just cutting off the cross-country season bit by bit here, but do you even need a regular season? If they're able to compete indoors, couldn't they just get sharp during indoor competition and then go right into regionals and have it be regionals and then nationals? Yeah, that's why I said have cross-country in April. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Do you want to do rankings now? Now that we're going to have a definite season, basically this is who's going to take home the title in mid-March. Uh, okay, gun to your head. Are we having a cross-country national championship in the winter or spring of 2021? Winter or spring of 2021? Like this school year? Yes. Ooh, okay. Yes. Are we having an indoor championship? In the school year. Ooh. I think yes. Okay. I have a reason, which I won't say publicly. <laughs> You're not going to report? Uh, the reason why I think we will is controversial. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you after the pod. I'll keep that okay. between you and me. Is it going to be that they're going to figure out a way to open the roof on indoors to actually make it outdoors? That no. I just think there's a reason everyone is saying everything will be fine in 2021. There's a subconscious reason for that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like I said, we get more we get more information every day, and we learn from other professional sports. One particular professional sport went to Orlando. To okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hang up here if we keep doing this. We are not a basketball podcast anymore. I was, uh, I was talking about – didn't the MLS go to Orlando? Yes, they did. NHL? Where, where's the NHL at right now? They're in Canada, I think. No. Yeah, they are. Are you serious? That's where yeah, their the, bubble is? Yeah, they're in Canada. They're in Can- two Canadian cities. Uh, the Flyers, they're down 3-1 to the Islanders, which is bullshit. But, you know, this is my life now. Caring about hockey. <laughs> Isn't it weird? I mean, I guess it's not weird. Oh, you're right. Edmonton and Toronto. I have no idea like what is going on. I could tell you every minute detail of what's happening in the Orlando bubble for that other professional sport. But I could not tell you, I did not even know where the NHL bubble was located. You tell yeah. me that there was two in Canada, which is breaking news to me. No one cares about hockey in America, unfortunately. I mean, I used to be when I lived in uh, LA and the, the Kings were good. It was, it was exciting. I'd watch playoff hockey, but now I'm just so out of loop. Here we go. Women's top 25 for the upcoming cross country season in january through tbd let's go 25 down to 21 villanova at 25 illinois 24 utah 23 oklahoma state 22 and oregon 21 you got some big names there you got the potential host of the meet gordon as well in that 21 to 25 range yeah i mean i think the big one there oregon not ranked high up oregon People, the Oregon women didn't run well last year. 
they were they finished outside the top twenty. Mm-hmm. I think they were like twenty six or something like that. Um, Oklahoma State they only had two individuals qualify, so that will pull them in. And uh, yeah, I think the big thing is like when is Oregon gonna kind of replenish their talent on the women's side? Uh, they had a lot of international athletes, but a lot of them have now since graduated. Um, so, and I feel like recruiting now for Oregon, which has been so heavy on the European side, might hit like a has hit probably a ro- big roadblock with this whole COVID stuff. So I'm sure they're they're probably thinking like, hey, these people who are like, hey, I'm ready to this this 19 or 21 year old who's ready to come over to the states now is going to be like, oh, I guess I'm not going to do that. And now Oregon isn't really getting a lot of domestic females, right? So they're getting a lot of domestic males, but just not domestic females. So uh, with the graduation of all their top people, they're not looking to be a top-tier distance program for a, a year or two now. It's because every single top U.S. woman is going to North Carolina North Carolina State. That's why yeah, there's not that's... enough people left. <laughs> they're all in the state of North Carolina. Yeah, it's surprising to see them that far back, but then you wonder, you think last year, okay, who was their top runner? There was nobody who made an impact. Two years ago, they went into that meet, I thought, with an outside shot to win it. Now, they had a, a combination of people that they brought in as transfers later in their career mixed in with someone like Hull, who had been there from the get-go. But once Hull graduated and some of those other women uh, moved on, there was not much, not much left there. So, yeah, Oregon, interesting team to follow. They got the new stadium. You'd think that that would help with – recruiting but right now you just see north carolina north carolina state cleaning up let's go into the top 20 i thought it was funny the guy at new stadium you think that would help with cross country i was like wait what what does the stadium have to do with cross country but okay. well it's it's for recruits you go and you show them a big shiny new stadium you don't think that would help recruiting they're gonna run track too they're not just gonna run cross country yeah i mean that was the whole point. I mean, part of the point of that is just to, to, to show it off to the incoming generation. Um, I mean, think about this. Even before even before the new stadium, how many stadiums really got the attention of potential cross-country and track recruits? How many times were they showed the facilities and they're like, ooh, wow. Maybe the weight room and things like that. But like, who has a stadium where you're like, oh my gosh, that's that's crazy. I want to I want to be able to run there. I mean, you could argue Penn has like the Penn Relay Stadium, but even then, it's it's just a football stadium. Like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, in, indoor facility? No, there's not really like a famous indoor facility. I mean, Penn State's hydraulic system is pretty cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I mean, I. I it's something that no other school can offer, really. Yeah. Nobody, no other school like pushes that button. Like other schools can say, "Oh, we have this, this uh, setup or that setup," but no, no other school is able to say, "Hey, if this is what you want, we have this right here." Before uh, Colorado got their new indoor facility, their locker room was a stairwell. What do you mean? They would meet in a stairwell, and that's where they put like their stuff. Right, like so they, I was like, do you guys, I was like, do you guys have a locker room? And they're like, yeah, we do, but no one uses it. We just meet in the stairwell. <laughs> Let me put our stuff there. Put our park our bikes nearby, and then we're good. And yeah. it's like you're like making, winning all these national titles and all Americans, and it's like that's what running is, right? That's what distance running is. They don't need flashy, glitzy locker rooms and facilities. They just need a place to put their running shoes and park their bike. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but I'm sure they're they're teenagers, so they're susceptible to the same sort of uh, plays to emotion as, as everybody else. And if uh, imagine taking your visit to one of those schools when they have a home meet, right? Or going visiting Penn when the Penn relays are growing going on, You'd probably think, oh, it's pretty cool. I just think that distance runners don't care about that stuff. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. Uh, Hayward. I mean, I think that's why. Once Lanetta got to to Oregon, 
that along with him being there, that was the other reason is he was selling Hayward Field. He was selling that that dream, that vision of we're hosting Olympic trials and they're going to be chanting your name in the stands. I mean, in 08, they were literally chanting, come to Oregon at Jordan Hesse after her 1,500-meter race. I, mean, I, I think that stuff definitely, does, definitely factors Okay, in. well, I mean, all right, what do you think is more marketable to a high school teenager? A glitzy stadium and locker room or beautiful trails? It depends on the kid. I think it depends on the kid for sure. Okay. But, like, what I'm saying is 99% of people's tracks are the same, so they probably go on their recruiting visit, and they're like, all right, there's the track, and they're, okay, cool. Yeah. That's great. Moving on. I mean, the locker room stuff, like, I think matters a little bit in terms of, like, okay, well, how invested is this program in me? If I get injured, like, am I going to have places to rehab, or am I going to have yeah, am I going to have a good weight room and all that other stuff? Because the thing is – like high schools have really upped their game. So I don't think anybody wants to go to a college where it looks like a step down from their high school. And some of these kids are coming out of very, very, you know, big time programs where they have a lot of amenities and booster clubs and everything. Anyway, that's true. Speaking of Penn state, they're at number 20, uh, in front of them, Northern Arizona, a little known school out in Flagstaff. I think it's how you pronounce that. Princeton at 18, Notre Dame, 17 and Wisconsin at 16. Yeah, so uh, Penn State uh, dropped down a bit because of the announcement of a transfer. Julian, Julia Patterson transferred to Arkansas. Um, Northern Arizona lost a few of their seniors, but they should still be able to continue to make the meet of a meet that now apparently is happening in the winter. Um, <laughs> uh, Notre Dame, uh, they still have some young Runners, I mean, obviously, you'd be thinking about uh, what was her name? I can't believe I forgot her name. She was on the team for four years, five years. Notre Dame, yeah, Anna Roar, yeah, Anna Roar. So, Anna Roar has just graduated, uh, so now they're kind of trying to revive that program. I mean, obviously, you had um, Anna Roar, and before her, you had oh my goodness, Mo- Molly Seidel. So is that her name now? Oh my goodness, Molly. Oh my Seidel. goodness, Molly. Seidel. No, I'm having brain farts. It's it's early, man. It's 9:40 a.m. Central Time. <laughs> huh. uh, and then Wisconsin. Um, who's Wisconsin have now? So Wisconsin, their projected top five is um, Alyssa, and then Lucina Crouch, Alexa Wesley, Peyton Sippy. Kristen Garcia. So no big names yet. Obviously they lost um Monson and Davis. Monson Man, you and don't Davis. Not, you can't remember anybody's name. This is amazing. Yeah. Anyway, in this in the whole twenty to, to twenty five, I mean fifteen to twenty five range, it's a kind of a little bit of a, a toss up right now. Like I said for the men, anyone ranked out ranked outside of top fifteen is all the same, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. All You're right, just good enough to make the meet. With that being said, we'll go 15 is Indiana, 14 Boise State, 13 Air Force, 12 is Ole Miss, and 11 is Arkansas, the defending national champs. Yeah, so Arkansas right now, they lost four seniors, right? But this is who they have now. They have Lauren Gregory, who's now going to be a senior, who was part of that team, I believe. Does she race? Yep. Okay. And then you have Taylor Ewart, who's a really good freshman. London Culbreth, a good freshman. Corey Smith, a good freshman. They have Julia Patterson, transfer from Penn State. Abby Gray, a senior. And then Logan Morris, a transfer as well. I think she's from Clemson. So, for a team that lost four seniors, they did a good job refreshing. You know, they got three good good freshmen coming in. And then you have the two transfers in Patterson and Morris. That's a good way to kind of revitalize the program when you lose your your strong your sound your solid foundation after winning a title yeah i would say i think they have a chance to get in i understand why they're there uh i think they have a chance to get into that top 10 and I, it seems more like a two-year away type situation with them yeah just because they have so many so many freshmen uh a- anybody else stand out here in that group um Boise State, they are um, 
another kind of wild card team. They have a lot of women that are kind of none of them are big names, but they just have a lot of bodies. Um, they got Yukino Parley, Maxine Pawlowek, Grace Brock, Olivia Johnson, Laura Hamilton. So they're all like juniors. So they're all sophomores last year, juniors now. Um, I think they're also a team that will be. They're gonna have a. They're gonna finish like around this spot or a little bit better this year. The next year they'll be like, oh wow, they don't lose anyone, and then like this could be a podium team. So I think that's what status they're in. They're in the status of prove it one year, and then next year return everyone and be the podium team that you could be. So number ten, Minnesota coming all the way from 28 then you have BYU at 9 Washington at 8 Michigan State at 7 and Florida State at 6 so yeah Minnesota their big difference obviously is the addition of the twins um so Bethany and Megan Hotz both projected to finish in the top 15 that dramatically makes them a better team Mm -hmm. uh they don't really have a strong third fourth or fifth leg right now but when you have a two good a one two punch up front, you're kind of motivated now to like, hey, we now have a, a squad that is better than just top twenty five. We could be potentially top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, BYU lost a bunch, but they returned Whitney Orton. Obviously, Anna Camp is still on the team. Sophie Laswell. Um, BYU now on the women's side, I think it's done enough to like be considered a top ten team year in and year out, provided they still have bodies. And, I mean, when you return someone like Whitney Orton, who we have projected to finish second overall, uh, top 10 makes sense. Washington, um, they got Melanie, uh, Melanie Smart. Obviously, she's a sophomore now. She's Australian, I think, right? Yes. So Australian. Lily Burden still technically, I think, is on the roster. She's a senior. They have Haley Herberg, the transfer from Oklahoma. And then a bunch of bodies like Ali Shadler, Shona McCullough. Um, they're another in the mix. Uh, not n- None of them are, though, in that tier that we're going to get to next, that top four, top five tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Washington, BYU, Minnesota, Michigan State there at seven. Florida State, I think, is going to be a sleeper team. They're at six. So Florida State, um, they basically return everyone. They have a bunch of people. Like, they have, I project five women who can finish in the top 80, which is pretty good, led by Elizabeth Funderburk, who's a junior. She's run a 16.05 5K. They have Jody Judd, uh, Marty Skyring, Rebecca Clark, and White Ruby. So, or Ruby White. Is it White Ruby or Ruby White? I'm not sure. She's a freshman. Is it White Ruby or Ruby White? That might be this, wrong. This reminds me of yesterday you and Lincoln were talking about Reinhardt Harrison. Yeah. Harrison Reinhardt. So. Well, she's a freshman. Trans, she's a freshman coming in who ran well internationally. So she ran 16-12. So that will make their team better. And they have Lauren Ryan as well. Uh, they have a lot of good. So Florida State's the team that's like, hey, Florida State's good now again. Good old, Like the uh, Colin Quigley days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember that. It sounds like they have a lot of options there, a lot of depth. Um, is that where you cut it off, or where is your where is your? Line? Yeah, I'd say the cutoff is the top five. Um, I would say, well, I'd say the cutoff for podium is top five. I think the top five will be our podium somewhere. One of those four, but there's a cutoff of top three in my opinion. So let's get into it. Colorado is fifth. They kind of had a weird season last year, kind of a season that they kind of were dealing with injuries. Um, but this year they do have, they have a legit squad, but their squad is just not as proven. I would say, but they have Emily Venters who was injured last year, but she was pretty good in 2018. Abby Nichols, a transfer from Ohio State. Emily Covert, who redshirted her freshman year, but she was really good as a high school senior. Then you have Holly Bent and Rachel MacArthur. And Michaela DeGenero, who comes from Michigan. Annie Hill. Madison Borman is still there. But they have a bunch of uh, transfers. Yeah. 
Colorado, I probably shouldn't be ranking fifth. They're probably going to find a way to get like second because uh, of Mark Wetmore. Um, but yeah, the, the influx of people coming off of injury and people transferring kind of revived that Colorado team that won the title two years ago. Yeah, that's a lot of people who were successful at other at other programs. If they can replicate that same thing in Boulder, they should be pretty good. Uh, update, according to Tila Sapaya, it is Ruby White. So there you go. Okay. Solved. Sorry, bro- sorry about that, White Ruby. So uh, Colorado 5, Michigan then at 4. Michigan was 13th last year. So you have two teams that were in the double digits here moving into the top five. What should we know? Is this a typical Michigan balanced squad? Yeah, well, a lot of it's Michigan returns people who ran really well in 2018. And it's kind of, you can maybe chalk it up as they had a bad 2019, but if they all come back healthy and running like their 2018 selves, they should be able to put together a strong squad. A squad, I may add, that has no seniors in their top five. So, Michigan's going to be very good uh, in 2021. They got Erica Vanderland, the returning sophomore, who we have finishing 20th overall. They have Camille Davre, who's a junior. Caitlin Hart, who's the their star freshman. Mm-hmm. And Forsyth, who ran well as a freshman uh, two years ago, red-shirted, so she's back as a sophomore. And then Jaden Thies, who's a freshman. So... Um, and then they have a bunch of other bodies like Jesse Larson, Maddie Trevisan, Catherine House. But the main people are Erica Vanderland, who's a sophomore, Camille Devery, who's a junior, Caitlin Hart, who's a true freshman, and Forsyth, who's a redshirt sophomore, and Jaden Thies, who's a true freshman. So they're very young. So they're kind of like an NC State, very young. Uh, but NC State just has a little bit more... Uh, establish individuals mixed with their young group Mm -hmm. three new mexico getting on the podium again with wayne kaladi we're projecting to score one point for them who comes after that for them so here's the thing about new mexico they have 13 varsity level runners 13 it's pretty impressive uh, 13 people who have run at the NCA system or are good enough to run at the NCA system. So, obviously, they have Wayne Kalati, Then they have Ava Cohen. They have Hannah Nuttall. Amila Mazidowney, who will be a redshirt freshman. Hannah Miller, the transfer from Southern Methodist. Anna Costarellis, the transfer from Xavier. They have Samira Mebaruti, who is an international transfer from Eritrea, er, er, oh, Eritrea, fellow countrywoman with Kaladi. Mm-hmm. Then they have Grace, Graceland Larkin, Sophie Eckel, who's back as a senior. Olivia O'Keefe now, the transfer from Washington. Um, they have a lot. I mean, it's gonna be hard to make their team just internally. Um, someone like Sophie Eckel could be left off, which is crazy. But obviously, they have the one stick in Kaladi, so they only need to score four. Mm-hmm. And I think. Ava Cohen, Hannah Nuttall, Mozzie Downey, Hannah Miller, Costarellis, and Mebaruti, Of those six, I think four will show up on race day, and I think they will give Stanford and NC State a run for their money. They're all they're mostly seniors. Kaladi, Cohen, Hannah Miller, Costarellis, and Sophie Eckel, all seniors. So they have that veteran, like, we've been here, we've done it. Um, I think this is a year New Mexico will surprise. I know I'm always high on Mexico, on New Mexico. How are they going to surprise? How are they going to surprise? We already know they're good. Well, win. The surprise would be they win, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I they, think... they got good transfers, man. They got Miller, Costarellas, and Mabaruti. Those are three good transfers. Yeah. And, again, when you have Kaladi in there, reliable, scoring one point, that definitely takes you a long way. And you got to figure Cohen's – like her floor is still pretty good. Even if, yeah. had a, even if she had a bad day whenever this meet is held, if it's ever held, she would still be All-American 
and the same thing with someone like Nuttall. Maybe not as good, but they should have a lot of experience there too. And yeah. The teams in front of them are relying on younger people, to say the least. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's going to be a big difference. It's going to be seniors New Mexico versus the the juniors of Stanford versus the freshmen of uh, NC State. But this is how I have New Mexico scoring. I have them going Kaladi 1, Cohen 19, Nuttall 20, Mazzy Downey 26, Miller 33, Costarellas 41, Mebaruti 47. So I have them putting their entire top seven scoring under 50 points. Oh, wow. And Joe Franklin's not going to like that. Why not? I mean, doesn't he, doesn't he like to be underrated? I can't. Some coaches, they get mad when you don't put them high enough, and some coaches get mad when you put them too high because they don't want any expectations. Which one is he? I always thought he was a lower the expectations guy. Yeah. They're all just like, it's every collegiate coach is just a big mood-swinging person. They're like, hey, they're high, and then they're low. They're like, mm-hmm. you know. They like they like being disrespected. They like being respected. It's just a bunch of back and forth. They're Jekyll and Hyde. Every college coach is a Jekyll and a Hyde. We'll just be lucky to make the meet. Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you're the three-time champions. I don't know if that's particularly accurate. Maybe that's going to change the vibe, though, of the meet. Like, maybe because we'll just be so thankful for cross-country that winning and losing will just be out the door and there'll be no stress. Like... They won't be afraid to tell you who's running, who's not running. Oh yeah, that person's injured. We don't need to hide it. We're just it's okay. Like there'll be very little like We should test that theory. Yeah, made up gamemanship, yeah. We should just we should just post all your injuries here. Yeah. Just see what happens. Okay, we've come to the last two here. Uh come to the last two. I'll just say them at the same time and then you can tell me the strength and weaknesses of both Stanford two and NC State number one. Stanford, they have a good one-two punch. Ella Donahue, Jessica Lawson, both think they'll finish top five. Stanford's big wild card is going to be in uh, the incoming freshman and the incoming transfer senior. So the senior would be Aubrey Roberts from Northwestern, who ran well two years ago but kind of had an off year last year, probably was dealing with some injuries. But she, I mean, she's a sub, like, 1540 5k runner i believe maybe she's running the 1530s i believe uh so it's pretty good and then zofia dudek who's like their star freshman coming in um who is kind of like in that second tier after all the good freshmen went to nc state she's like in that second tier uh, zofia dudek wait didn't she win foot locker yeah i think she did so why we got she second. In the second tier well because you know sometimes they're not equal yeah, I think she's still going to be really good, though, right? Yeah, yeah, we have second tier. I have her scoring 23 points. That's pretty good for a true freshman. So I'm respect- oh, I respecting. Second tier of freshmen. I thought that's what no, she no. Second tier of the elite, like scoring oh. potential. Gotcha. Copy that. Right, yeah. So Donahue, Lawson, Roberts, Dudek, and then, then this is when they kind of, kind of like it's a little bit of unknown. You have Abby Archer, Julia Haymack, Grace Conley. Jordan Oaks, Christina Aragon, if she comes back from the dead and puts together a good performance. Uh, but, yeah, so they have a good one-two. They have a reliable transfer in Aubrey Roberts as their three. They have that star freshman, Sophia Dudek, as their four. And then they have a bunch of bodies to try to throw in the five spot with Abby Archer, Julia Haymack, Grace Conley, Victoria Starcher, Jordan Oaks, Christina Aragon. One of them should show up. Yeah, yeah. Haymack was really good indoors. I think we said the same thing for the men, but it's bears bears repeating here. If there was an indoor, even not even outdoor, but even if there was indoors, it would have informed these rankings so much. I think because if Stanford went and like won the DMR, and Donahue and Lawson established themselves as stars, I think we would be thinking that they were going to be the favorites. Instead, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of hypotheticals. And since those hypotheticals, it's easy to imagine a team like NC State, who's counting on people who have never run at the collegiate level, to be the top team in the nation, which is where you have them. Yeah. And we talk about the Fab Five freshmen for NC State. It's really only Fab Two that I think is going to be a part of their their championship team. Caitlin Tui, I have there scoring eight points. Kelsey Camille, 10 points. 
Hannah Steelman, the transfer from Wofford, which is the biggest pickup in the entire NCAA. I've heard scoring 11 points. Marley Starlipper, the other freshman, scoring 14. And then you get back to their athletes returning from last year. You have Dominic Claremont, who ran well two years ago. I've heard scoring 34 points. She's a senior now. Maria Howlett, I've scoring 45. And then you have Savannah Shaw, Nevada Marino, Heather Holt, Isabel Zimmerman. So you have a bunch of bodies. But the question is, will a, I like looking more at the top four. Does a Tui, Camille, Steelman, Starlipper, would you rather have that four? Or would you rather have Donahue, Lawson, Roberts, Dudek? Just more experience on the Stanford group. I would – I don't blame anybody for taking the NC State uh, group there, but I would lean – I would lean Stanford in those first four. So the reason why I would lean NC State is I feel, I have – Aubrey Roberts is still very wild cardy to me because she was good two years ago, but then she kind of struggled last year at Northwestern. So we don't know like, – I mean, what's the last performance she's put down? Let's look her up. Gordon's Googling. I'm Googling. So the last race she's run was uh, the BU last chance qualifier in February of 2020. So her last race was a 16.33. So she ran basically 16.07 in 2020 indoors. Yeah. That's far different from a 15.32 that she ran two years ago. So... Again, that's also indoors 2020. We still have a whole another year of training that she could be under, and she has shown that she has that talent. Uh, so that's why Aubrey Roberts' name on paper, I feel like, is a lot more uh, impressive than maybe what she might produce in this potential cross-country season. I just would rather have Hannah Steelman than Aubrey Roberts. Yeah, but Steelman, you're counting on to be there, what, two? There are three. Oh, because you have Tui up in front of her. Tui and Camille. Yeah, I mean, I don't even... Stanford, I think I think, I think Roberts is a bonus. Yeah. I, I think, because they had a pretty solid five last year, and they had O'Keefe leave out of eligibility and cross. So then you're left with four, and then you're able to replace them with people like Roberts or that, that the freshman. So I think they're in a strong position. I definitely think that they are. I would probably have them. I know the whole point of this isn't to disagree with your, you know, the rankings here, but I did it on the men's side. Actually, the men I said was a tie. So you got half, right? I think if they were racing, I think if they were racing right now, I would give, I would give Stanford the slight edge slight. Okay. Well, let's score it out. Okay. Who wins? Stanford, I just said. No, no, no. Like, who wins? It? If, if it's a duel meet between them two, who gets first? Donahue? Do they go, does Stanford go 1 2? Yeah, I think, yes, I think Stanford, Donahue and Lawson go 1 2. Okay. And then who goes 3? Wait, are we, are we making this a duel meet now? Yeah. <laughs> uh,. I mean, wait, you had, you said you had Camille first for NC State? I have Tui. Okay, oh. if Stanford goes 1-2 with Donahue and Lawson, NC State's definitely going 3-4 at least. And I think, put, maybe how about this? How about put Camille and Steelman as 3-4? Is that fair? Sure, sure. Yeah. So Stanford goes 1-2, NC State goes 3-4. Okay, so now who finishes fifth? Here's here are the people you have to choose from: Caitlin Tui, Marley Starlipper, Aubrey Roberts, Zofia Dudek. Uh, I think it's, I think Stanford would go. Who? Either one of those. Two. You think Sophia Dudek will beat Caitlin Tui? Mm, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be definitely close. What? Yeah. See, I would pick Tui, Tui and Starlipper, I think, are both better than Dudek. Okay. I mean, you could, yes, 
Okay, but but maybe Stanford's not counting on Dudek. I think you're I think you're underrating my main point here. I think you're underrating Stanford's like bench. You think That's, Julia Haymack is better than I ever? Julia Haymack was uh what a top ten miler indoors. It's a six K, buddy. Well, actually she wasn't top well no wait, she was Yeah, but that, What does she run? Where's what was her time? Haymack was faster than Donnie. She ran four thirty three indoors. So she was seated fifth going into the meet. How did she finish at NCAs? They didn't have the meet. It got canceled. No, in 2019. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me. She's okay. She's fine. I don't, I don't know. know. I think NC State would go 5-7 at least. Haymack was 63rd in cross. Yeah, 63rd. Come okay, on. I know, but she's. I don't think that was her best race. So, yeah, Stanford last year, Donahue was 8th, Lawson was 11. Then they had the gap. O- O'Keefe was hurt. Um, Archer, the freshman last year, was 53rd. Forgot about her. Haymack was 63rd. So, I don't know. I, I just, I, all I'm saying is I, I, would, I, would lean, I would lean experience. So, I mean, obviously, Tui comes in with a boatload of uh, potential, but like, you know, 15, she's going to have to, you know, competing at the collegiate level, 1530 isn't the same as obviously it is in, in high school. Right. Yeah. You'd, you'd agree with that. Yeah. So I just try to score it out where I had Stanford going one, two, six, eight, ten. And at NC State going three, four, five, seven, nine. And if you do that, Stanford scores twenty-seven points, and NC State scores twenty-eight points. So Stanford would win. Definitive. See, it's <laughs> been it's been proven. I don't know. I feel like we could both be wrong, and New Mexico will come in and sneak it out, or Colorado. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my, my point being is like, okay, just say hypothetically to be, to be an All-American, not even to be an All-American, because you, you can run solos and be an All-American. Say to be like top 20, right, or top 15, you need to be like an 855 3K runner. Just say that. I don't know if that's true or not, but just say, put that in your head. It's in my head. Yeah. Would you rather have people that you know have done that before, or would you rather have someone who hasn't done it yet, but heck, they could be an 840 3K runner maybe. They could be really, really good, but they just haven't run it yet. And I think that's, the, that's what NC State is relying yeah. on. And I think we also are giving ourselves some, like, we want NC State to be good because it's a great story. So oh, like, I lo- I'm all, I'm, I have the highest integrity when it comes to this. By one, I'm not being cheer for it, but like you kind of want to project a positive result on their team, right? Because you're like, hey, they have all these great freshmen. You don't want to project like, hey, they're all going to burn out and suck and it's the end. You want to project that positive thing will happen to the athletes, right? So you're more willing to think, you're more willing to give Tui and Starlipper the benefit of the doubt than you are to give them. Like, hey, you haven't done nothing for me yet, you know? So. Yeah, I'll say this. Between Tui, Starlipper, Dudek, you know, Caitlin Hart, Taylor Ewer, I think one of them is going to have a big year. There's just so much talent there. One of them is going to be really good. Wait, say it one more time. Where do you have Tui finishing? 12th. 12th. She's a top freshman. Yeah. I mean, that's. my, My freshman rankings, I have. Hold up. That's definitely not unreasonable. I don't think anybody would be like, you're crazy for ranking her 12th. There's no way she'll be yeah. able to get 12th. So these are the freshman rankings. 12th, Tui. 22, Starlipper. 32, Hart. 33, Dudek. Mm-hmm. 37, Mazzy Downey. It's a redshirt freshman. 39, Covert. 66, Conley. 67, Mabaruta, the New Mexico freshman. And then 78, Ruby White. Or 
formerly known as White Ruby. Um, I just, I mean, I look back at your rankings individually, and I know you have, what, four NC State women in the top 25? Yeah. But, but you also have two Stanford in the top five. I feel like if two Stanford finished in the top five, they'd win the meet. They'd figure yeah. out a way to get the other three in. That's a good point. That is a great point. Anyway. We'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Lincoln and I will be back tomorrow. Hopefully, his air conditioner unit is completely installed so he doesn't have to end the podcast early. Just another banner shine of professionalism from our colleague there yesterday. Well done, Lincoln. Uh, email the show. Like I said, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. All the rankings are on the site. You can find them, right, Gordon? Individual team. And then are you going to release a 255? Yeah, I'll release 255 in a week or two. Find out who is the 255th best runner in NCAA cross country. Gordon will be able to tell you that (laughs) next week. We'll talk to you guys later.